Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to On Air with Aaron, episode 9. So I hope you guys are all doing okay with everything going on. Uh, it's still been pretty tough. I have now actually started going avidly back onto Zoom for my classes still going on through college, and it's been tough, I'll admit, because a lot of them aren't taking attendance, or have mandatory attendance, rather. So it's been really tough to sort of get back in that groove, especially now that I am back in my hometown as opposed to up on campus. I definitely have less of a desire to do work, so I'm still trying to adapt even though I only have about a month left of school, so hoping for the best. So hopefully by the time summer comes around, things will be a little bit more cleared and we will have better stuff going on for the gaming industry. And with that being said, let's get right into it. Call of Duty Warzone has passed 50 million worldwide players. Now, I brought it up in the uh, previous episode talking about uh, a landmark that it had reached not too long ago. Um, and it's definitely becoming a really, really popular game mode because Warzone was something that was, I believe it was leaked before it actually was officially announced. I believe it was the map that got leaked and a bunch of people saw this huge map and thought, well, it's a in, it's a huge map, so it could only mean one thing, Battle Royale. And sure enough, it was. So it's to no surprise, really, that they added a Battle Royale mode because that it was, um, it was also implemented in Black Ops 4 with the Blackout map. And it's a really popular game genre as of now, so it's no surprise that it's coming out. But this specific one, Call of Duty Warzone, is definitely definitely kind of running through the races with this game it reached this landmark uh, at a similar time to apex legends uh right around that 50 million players mark and it is slowly rising up to be one of the most popular battle royale games at the moment unfortunately it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for call of duty warzone players if you follow around the world of streamers, Call of Duty streamers, whether or not they're professionals or just content creators, high skill level or lower skill level, you'll see a very common theme of cheating and hackers inside lobbies. I watch some of the streamers very sparingly, but the ones that I've seen have talked extensively about how bad the cheating and hacking situation is in Warzone, and they have the streams to back it up. I believe it was probably, I think it was Tim the Tapman. I'm pretty sure it was him. He brought it up saying that they played five or six games one day, and four, three to four games in a row, <clears throat> there was a hacker that was in the lobby, killed them, and won the entire game. And some of the hackers are being kind of sly about it, but some are just being incredibly blatant. They'll have, they'll sort of have like wall hacks where they can see players through the walls and aim directly at them and follow them, which of course no one can consistently do because it's just not possible. But these hackers have obviously downloaded some sort of system that's able to track these other players and pretty much always get headshots and no matter what the gun it's always accurate right away so even if another player gets the beat on them even if they miss a couple shots they're just going to turn around and 
dome them, and there's really nothing that the non-cheating player can do about it. And it's really hard to outplay some of these people because they'll just quickly turn around and just aim down the sights, and if it locks onto something, they'll just pull the trigger and knock them down. And it really is unfortunate because me, myself, through Warzone, I haven't encountered any cheaters, at least not to my knowledge. I haven't encountered anyone that's like that because my skill-based matchmaking is a lot lower than these professional players or these high-level streamers. So, of course, I'm not going to be put into a lobby with all these cheaters because they're winning games a lot, so they're being put higher up. But cheating isn't the only issue that Warzone has been facing. I know myself personally have has dealt with the servers, just in general, for Warzone being really, really bad. Not necessarily with lag or frame drops or, or graphics not processing. Not necessarily anything like that. The games, for the most part, run pretty smooth with the occasional lag spike here and there. But... I've noticed that there's a lot of a lot of things that have just been going really, really weird. Sometimes when me and my friends will get sent to the gulag, we'll just immediately lose or immediately win. And I don't know why it is. Um, it's just happened a lot. And it hasn't happened to me yet, but it's happened to people that I was playing with. And I've seen that it's a lot of coming with uh, cross-platform plagues. We have friends on PS4 and us on Xbox One. And I've noticed that it's a really big problem. I'd say... I'd say maybe... Somewhere around 25 to 30% of the matches we play... <clears throat> someone gets kicked out of the lobby. Mid-game. Because I was playing a couple days ago. And it happened three times in that one night. And we were only playing for maybe three hours at most. And three hours, of course, is a long time for multiplayer math. But for Warzone, depending on how long you last, each match can last about 25 minutes. So when you do the math for that, three hours, that's around 10 matches. So it really sort of gets in the way because you'll have a good rotation going. You'll have your loadouts and everything. And then, boom, Call of Duty will just kick you out of the game for, for no reason. And... No one knows exactly why this is. One of my friends who has a PS4 has reached out to these forums and found that a lot of people are having issues when they play cross-platform, that it does it mostly there. So there's these forums and posts going around, people trying to reach out to Activision, Infinity Ward, talk to them and tell them, hey, look, this is what's going on, and pair that up with the cheaters. And a lot of people, I don't want to say are getting tired of Warzone, but definitely are starting to get annoyed with it because it's just not fun when there's someone that's not playing the game legitimately just ruining the experience for everyone else and it really does it really does suck with with, with everything but i still find the game fun but luckily things are getting better warzone has banned over 70,000 players for cheating and other hacking related uh, items, really. And they talked about how they're going to be implementing a better reporting user interface, talking about how they're just going to make things a lot easier and simplistic and everything for players to report other players for doing these, just these unfair, 
acts inside the game. Uh, like I said, I myself haven't faced any rampant cheaters, but just the ones that I've seen online, it gets <clears throat> it gets really bad, and it, it doesn't look like fun. In a way, though, it is kind of fun seeing those cheaters because of how ridiculous they are. They're getting like 40 kills a match. Insane. Um, but the, the future is looking bright for Warzone. They are doing some updates, and I know... Uh, I've had problems where my my kills and my scores aren't registering through the servers. It basically doesn't count. I played the other night, and I got somewhere around ten kills and somewhere around five deaths, which is for me is 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 pretty big for a night of uh, playing Warzone. And it didn't register any of that, which kind of sucked because the next time I hopped on, it didn't. I didn't really play all too well, so. <clears throat> It kind of it kind of ruined my score. Not that it means the world to me, but it is something that does need to be fixed. But I am hopeful for the future that Warzone has with competitions and just making an overall better play experience for everyone that chooses to hop on. Now onto a little bit of a <clears throat> sadder topic. Um, actually, a lot sadder topic. Rick May, the voice actor for Soldier and a couple others in other games and media, a uh, soldier from Team Fortress 2 has passed away at the age of 79 due to COVID-19. He was recovering from a stroke that he had in February of this year before everything started spreading, and he was in a nursing home, I believe, just <clears throat> you know, doing what he can, take things slow and, and recovering at his elderly age. But then unfortunately... Some way, somehow, he, he caught COVID-19 and his immune system wasn't all the best. So it just it, it just went in and you know, took advantage of his, his poor immune system at the time. So it's a really it's a really tragic it's, it's a really tragic situation. He was credited with other roles such as Andros and Peppy Hare in Star Fox 64, Genghis Khan in Age of Empires 2. And a lot of other different titles. He was also a writer, I believe, for other forms of media. So his presence in the the gaming industry definitely was noted and definitely will be missed. Because I myself never played Team Fortress 2. But of course, even if you're in the... Just the internet community, really, as a whole. Even if you're in that community for you know at least a couple months or year you've probably seen some form of Team Fortress 2 meme, and whether or not you were aware that it was Team Fortress 2 or you knew the names of any of the characters, you definitely were aware of what those characters looked like, and especially in the earlier days when TF2 was released in 07, I believe, it was it's still a fan favorite. It's still a really, really popular game amongst people, and he sort of had this presence and this personality and identity with Soldier. And it's, it's really tragic to see him, to see him go. Uh, so condolences go out to everyone that was close to him and for anyone who his death impacted. Next on the list, lightening up the mood a little bit, <clears throat> we have Saints Row 3 Remastered. 
It was announced not too long ago that Saints Row 3 was going to be remastered. And for those of you who are unaware of what Saints Row 3 is, is it's sort of like GTA in the sense of you play as a character and it's this kind of big open world in a city and there's different places you can go different shops and there's different missions different cars you can buy and stuff like that uh it's this big open world map and they emphasize a lot more on gang wars and stuff like that there are these different crime organizations that are sort of surrounding the area the bigger one the biggest one really being syndicate they sort of they sort of run the town really in this gang ridden town and you play in the main game as this gang who essentially goes around and tries to defeat them my explanation is probably a little a, a little lax because i played the game a couple of years ago and the story a couple of years ago so i don't remember exactly but it was similar to GTA 5 in that aspect, but it definitely had its had its own unique twist and it was a lot of fun. It didn't have you know 20 person lobbies like GTA does online, but it definitely had its charm with the story mode and I remember playing it and absolutely loving it cuz you could customize your character and I made my character silver. So he just looked like a metal man walking through it which was which was kind of a kind of badass if I'm being honest. Um but you could do things in the free mode, and it was absolutely silly. Uh, but they announced not too long ago that they were going to be remastering Saints Row 3. Which is pretty big, because there's also another Saints Row game in the works. As of now, nothing, of course, has been confirmed or really stated about this. I'm actually going to close my window. Give me one second. <laughs> Sorry about this. Sorry if you could hear that. There's one of my neighbors is driving around in like a dune buggy, I think. <laughs> He's been driving around for the past couple minutes just loud up and down the street. But uh, anywho, windows closed, so you shouldn't be able to hear him now. But anywho, so it was Saints Row 3 was a really, really fun game. A new Saints Row game is in the works, uh, like a new title, not a remaster. And the series is, I don't know exactly in the terms of, you know, the gaming world, how huge exactly Saints Row is. I know Saints Row the Third is considered to be the best out of the Saints Row series because it's a very different feeling game. And a lot of people do like the games. So this remaster will be available Hopefully, of course, this this could be subject to change because of everything going on right now. Uh, it'll be available on May 22nd for $40. It's available for pre-order through Amazon and Best Buy at the moment. It's not available through digital pre-order at the moment, but that's, that's bound to change uh, sometime soon because of how popular everything is. But that was what was just announced. Uh, for PC, it's going to be an Epic Game Store exclusive, so you won't be able to find it through Steam. You have to go through Epic Game Store if you want to pick up and pre-order Saints Row the Third. So this remaster is going to include updated graphics and visuals because uh, if you remember from the Saints Row uh, the Third game, 
or if you didn't, the game was, I played it on Xbox 360, and it was a free game of the month at one point. So I downloaded it, thought it looked pretty cool, and then I played through it, ended up loving it, but the graphics definitely, they were an Xbox 360 game. They weren't anything to marvel at. They weren't anything absolutely fantastic. Of course, the cutscenes were good because, you know, they're cutscenes. But the actual gameplay, the map sometimes felt... It felt alive, but I definitely do think the GTA V map felt a little bit more alive and animated and some things like that. The Saints Row the Third, it was fun, but it felt more like an older GTA game in that aspect. But it definitely did have its charm, but... There was a short little clip that they posted talking about the remaster with their visuals. They did sort of a, they initially posted the original graphics and then they just transitioned and overlaid with the new graphics and it looked phenomenal. It looked like, well, I don't want to say it looked like a GTA game because it still does look different, but it definitely can hold its own against the, the modern GTA five graphics, especially on next gen consoles. And it looks really cool. It still holds its its sort of charm with the way that some of the characters move and, and whatnot. But overall, I definitely do think that the graphics being enhanced and more crisp are going to be a huge change and a huge upgrade from the original game. It's going to be running at 30 FPS for console, consoles and 60 on PC has the option for that. Uh... But the graphics are going to be a lot, a lot more enhanced and a lot clearer, more animated, and and better. So that's something definitely to look forward to. So along with updated and enhanced visuals, expansion packs and other DLC are going to be included in this $40 game. So that is actually something that really excites me because I didn't buy any of the expansion packs for the Saints Row the Third game at first. I just played the game through and, and thought it was pretty good. And I believe the game was at the time in the Xbox game store, probably around $30 or so, just the base game. And then you could buy the extra DLC and whatnot. But I just never wanted to do that. At the time, I wasn't really big into DLC stuff, so I didn't really pick anything up. So this one, absolutely with all this stuff included for $40, it'll definitely bring me back into playing that game. And it's nice that it's a remaster with more enhanced graphics and it's the it's $40 game, which, which really excites me because one of the more popular remakes or remaster that came out is Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that game, of course, is not just a port at all. It's enhanced graphics, enhanced combat, enhanced everything. And some original Final Fantasy VII players have gone out and said that that Final Fantasy VII is a whole completely different game. It's a completely new game. It's not just a graphics enhancement. So it's understandable that that game was $60 and there's hours upon hours of, of gameplay in that. And it's worth every penny, as people have said. But $40 still, without a doubt, is a lot cheaper. So people are definitely going to have a much better attitude towards this game. It'll still include um, their silly, crude, and sexual narrative that was in the original game. They're not going to be 
transitioning anything. They're not going to be taking out any of that stuff. It's still going to maintain its its more mature rating of narrative. It's not going to change, which is a big plus because that's one of the things people loved about the game was how, you know, it was it was a game where you were just kind of in this crime organization and then you just, you, uh, of course they're going to speak crudely and sexually in a crime organization. They're not going to be all professional businessmen for the most part. So it's definitely good that they're, they're maintaining that, that narrative drive. So I'm very much, very much looking forward to this. The only thing that I could see that wasn't going to be, prevalent in this game that was in the previous was split screen capability they're going to be removing that in the game but still have online co-op opportunities so that's fun and definitely something to look forward to so if you are in the market to play saints row 3 either you you played the first one and loved it or you hadn't played the first one but thought about getting into it then this remaster will be available uh, may 22nd for 40 dollars and you can pre-order it through a variety of sources, but just make sure that if you're doing it digitally through console, you check that it's actually on the store so far. So that's definitely one to look out for in the future. Last on the list is the game Valorant, or Valorant. I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced. Um, but anyway, the game is breaking records on Twitch. This is Riot's new... Uh, it's their new sort of competitive shooter game that they came out with, and it's sort of taking the internet and the gaming community by storm at this moment. 34 million hours were watched in one day, and the largest single peak viewership on Twitch was 1.7 million. And that was second place only to the 2019 League of Legends World Championship, and it beat out Fortnite. Uh, which had 1.69 million peak viewers at one point. So this game sort of came out of the blue. Not necessarily came out of the blue exactly. It was it was hyped up for a little bit before, but definitely so many people are tuning in to watch this new game that's come out, and rightfully so. It from the little bit I've seen sort of has that like CS:GO feel to it, which is incredible. A lot of people really like that, the nostalgia and the, the gameplay and mechanics that, that come around with those old types of games. And the funny thing is, is this game isn't available for everyone yet. It's sort of in this early access beta stage, and there's a couple steps that you need to take if you want to download that game and play it yourself, uh, which of course you can find online, sort of the guide how to do that. So... It's definitely, it's definitely running Twitch at this point. There's a website that has a lot of Twitch data, uh, you know, through just like the history of Twitch, most popular games watched, most popular channels watched, stuff like that. And Valorant is, if it if it's not on the top, it's in top five. And it's crazy because this game has not been out for all that long. And... Popular streamers are streaming this game as well to peak the viewership, such as Tim the Tatman and Dr. Disrespect and Pokemon as well were amongst the streamers who were streaming this game and sort of giving it 
exposure and a lot of people are really looking forward to seeing Valorant in a lot more like competitive shooting game tournaments. So we'll have to keep the eye out on that game and definitely be paying attention to it in the future because it could very much be the next big thing with competitive shooting games. So with that, that's going to end the segment on the news in the gaming industry. Next, I am going to talk about something that is news, but something that I want to elaborate and talk a little bit more on. And that's going to be the ESRB is now going to be mentioning loot crates and other microtransactions inside of game ratings. This is something that a lot of people, a lot of people have been bringing up and definitely an ideology that I've subscribed to for a couple of years that microtransactions themselves aren't inherently bad. I bought the battle pass for uh, modern warfare like a week ago and I had, I got some leftover call of duty points and you know, I bought a blueprint. That's what they're called with charms and whatnot, but none of that stuff is pay to win. It's all cosmetic stuff and it's stuff that you can unlock in the game, but it's not that you are exclusively getting it. It's not anything that, you know, Oh, you're buying a totally, loaded out weapon that no one has access to yet because you just got lucky. And one of the things that's really been getting under people's skin with microtransactions is the fact that a lot of the times, one thing that people need to realize is that video games, a lot of them nowadays are marketed towards children. And certain games are really, really infamous for their their use of microtransactions. FIFA being, of course, one of the most notorious amongst the gaming community with its microtransactions. You basically needing to pay to unlock all these characters, and you aren't you aren't able to really progress and have a really, really good team unless you spend X amount of dollars. Because you could very much spend twenty dollars and get a really, really good team just purely off of luck, no skill involved, no training, no grinding necessary, just based off of luck. Or you can spend $2,000 and still not have RNGesus work in your favor. And it's something that a lot of people really don't like because kids are very much susceptible nowadays into the world of fun, colorful advertisements that are specifically being targeted towards them. And a lot of people have said, okay, look, if you're going to say all of this stuff, then you need to be putting it inside the game rating so parents know that these games that they're buying for their kids are going to have these these basically gambling simulators. As you know, crazy as that is to say, these games are basically preaching gambling to not only kids but other people where there's not really any skill involved. You basically have to buy everything. And this was one of the issues that uh, Battlefront 2 faced not too long ago. If you guys remember Star Wars Battlefront 2, the new one that came out a couple of years ago, not the original one. But when the new one was announced, a lot of people were really excited about it because they enjoyed, to a certain degree, the first remake Battlefront that came out. Which I enjoyed myself, but it definitely did get kind of tiring after a little bit because it was only multiplayer maps. There were... Uh, there there were like missions you could do but there wasn't a story mode there wasn't anything it just felt 
you know, it, it didn't feel like a whole lot. So definitely people were excited for a new Battlefront game. But unfortunately, EA came out with that game and they were talking about all the loot boxes that they're going to be implementing and how you could unlock really, really good things with the loot box. You could unlock certain items that you couldn't get until a much, much higher rank, which by the way, the leveling system in Battlefront 2 is ridiculously high. I played that game for a long time. I played that game for, for many, many, many hours, probably days. And... I'm pretty sure I'm only rank 22, which if you compare that to a Call of Duty game, you can pretty much get to rank 22 within a week. You know, if you play at a moderately consistent, uh, even if you play at like an hour a day, you can get to rank 22 in no time, but their, their ranking system is definitely a lot higher. So if you have to unlock a gun at level 25, let's say. It's going to take you a long time, a long time to get to that gun. Whereas, oh, you just pull it in a crate. Which a lot of people get really annoyed about because, you know, there's not really, there's not really any fairness to that. There's not any, there's really no integrity when it comes to the, the grinding aspect of the game. Because even with, with Call of Duty... With Modern Warfare, you can hypothetically buy all 100 tiers of the Battle Pass instantly, but you have to pay uh, about $100 or so, and you don't really unlock anything that's actually crazy good. You can unlock a couple guns, but even at that, the guns aren't anything that are breaking the game, and there's no exclusive perks that only you have and the people that that play uh casually are never gonna get it's not anything like that and even also the guns that you unlock are free to unlock in the battle pass and yes of course i understand that it takes a long time to to get to it but there's nothing just overly overpowered that you can do with that so i think that Modern Warfare does a pretty good job of managing their microtransactions with COD points and, and stuff like that. But with Battlefront 2, with the, the loot crate system that they had, you could purchase crystals, which was the in-game currency, and you could buy all of these crates that would give you a bunch of these different advantages. And there was basically no grinding aspect to it when it was initially described. And prior to the game's release with Battlefront 2, prior to its release, they ended up coming out and they said, hey, look, we messed up. EA came out and said this, that they messed up and what they were doing isn't, isn't right. And they went back and changed it. And of course, people were okay with them for the most part of that. They, they, they said, okay, well, it's, it's sort of the, the right step towards what they need to do. And overall, once Battlefront 2 came out, they still had loot boxes that you could get randomly, which was totally fine. Um, but they, they would sometimes give you stuff, but most of the things they gave you were quips. You know, like if you were playing as Han Solo as the hero, you'd have one quip, and then you could unlock one that he would say, never tell me the odds, or you could unlock another one that said, 
good shot, don't get cocky, or I don't know if those are the exact ones, but, you know, you you could do things like that, and they weren't pay to win, they didn't give you a competitive advantage, and they would do sort of things like that, which was really cool, but now, they've even gotten rid of that, and now their loot box system, if you sign on to Battlefront 2, unless they changed that within the last couple months I played it, which I don't think they have, if you sign on, you will get a daily loot crate, but all that's in there is like 250 credits. That's it. There's not even anything. It's just that. And of course, that upset a lot of people who spent money for the game prior to it releasing with, with pre-orders and whatnot. But it definitely is something that that is sort of plaguing the the gaming industry, especially with mobile games. Mobile games have are riddled with transactions, microtransactions, pay-to-win stuff. And a lot of people just don't see it as a good business practice for companies to do to their customers because it seems sort of backhanded um but going back to the esrb they're now going to be including the microtransactions in the rating the rating will note saying in-game purchases includes random elements so that sort of includes everything that the microtransactions do, these like randomized elements. So parents and consumers will know that this game has the potential to be pay to win and it's not really going to reward you for grinding the game. It's going to reward you for spending hundreds of dollars on that game. So it's not going to say microtransactions, but it boils down to that idea. And overall, there's nothing wrong with microtransactions in, in a general sense. For cosmetic things, there's nothing wrong with spending your own money because you don't need that. You don't need those skins. You don't need that weapon skin. You don't need those, and they don't offer any competitive advantage. Not whatsoever. But when you market your microtransactions to be you unlock the best thing in the game and there's almost no practical way that a normal person would be able to get this item and it just seems kind of unfair and takes away the whole idea of a game being you play you practice you do all this stuff and you grind when it takes away all of that then it just it just becomes kind of like well shoot it's either i spend money or i don't play the game so it's definitely good that the ESRB is now including that in the rating and hopefully game companies will will definitely take a little bit more personal responsibility and integrity for these these microtransactions and just overall these um just these random elements and these pay to win ideas hopefully they'll take them out of the games. Last on the list I'm going to be talking about the new PS5 info that was released not too long ago. So if you guys have been seeing anything really on Twitter, then you've probably seen, not even just specifically on Twitter, but YouTube, Instagram, anywhere really, the new PS5 controller that was released. Now, a lot of people are making jokes about it. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's basically just an Xbox One controller. It's not original, anything like that. A lot of people are complaining, saying it doesn't really look good. It doesn't follow the same PS5 standard that they've always done or the PlayStation standard. And there are some things that are obviously new with the, the PlayStation 
5 controller. So first off, the basic controller that they showed off, the basic controller had this sort of dual tone to it with a white and a black. The white took up pretty much all the top portion, most of the top portion, and the bottom portion was mostly black. Uh, someone described the PS5 controller to look like a Xbox One controller wearing a leotard for wrestling. And if you look closely, you can actually kind of see that, which was pretty funny. But I don't think the PS5 controller looks terribly bad, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I think the DualShock controllers and the like PS4 controllers, all those, those ones definitely are classic and they, they look cool. They're really slim, so they feel weird in my hand specifically after playing like a play uh, a switch pro controller a xbox one controller which are a lot more bulky where the ps4 controller is really really thin and kind of streamlined um but this controller definitely does look like it can be a pretty good transition for uh you know xbox players and potentially other uh players because i've heard that the xbox one controller and the 360 controller are like the ideal controllers for a lot of people that use them for pc gaming capabilities um but overall the ps5 controller it does look pretty cool a lot of people were pointing out that the left and right triggers uh are what the console or the controller sits on as opposed to a little ridge similar to what the xbox controller has so a lot of people were kind of complaining about that because if you put your controller down you could pretty much just be holding down r I think it's R2. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. It's either R1 or R2, the, the trigger buttons. You'll just be holding it down if you put your controller down, which does upset a lot of people and kind of design-wise people are upset with. But along with the PS5 controller released, a lot more things were elaborated a bit more on, such as specs and release date. So the release date has yet to be confirmed, similarly to the Series X um, but they keep going with the whole holiday 2020 line. So it's unclear what that means exactly, because when most people think of holiday 2020 and end of the year holiday, they think of Christmas. Um, but definitely I think that's a bad business move to come out with a console on Christmas, considering that a lot of kids and a lot of people ask and buy games on or for people for Christmas. So I think that'd be a really, really bad idea. And especially Black Friday being at the at the end of November, it's very, very likely that the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are gonna be released anywhere between uh anywhere between like late October to middle November. I do not think that it's gonna be released during Christmas. That would just that would be insane because I feel like they'd be missing out on a lot because, yeah, people would get a PS5 for Christmas, but I think they could capitalize a lot more with getting games for Christmas or buying games on Black Friday or anything along that line. Give customers about a month and a half to get used to the console and buy all these new games, especially when new deals are being run with, with Black Friday and post-Christmas, all that stuff. So somewhere around there my guess if i'm really going to guess on what day it's gonna be i'm gonna really shoot for like a november 10th sort of release uh because i think that gives a good enough time for 
people to get the console, get used to it, have reviews up, and then have enough time for people to make an, an informed decision on Black Friday, before Black Friday, or, like, for their kids or friend for Christmas or whatever. Next, talking about price. I mentioned before that the price has not been confirmed, but the overall console, each console takes about $450 to to build and create and all of that stuff. And considering that it's been sort of normal for consoles to go not that much higher than the the build price it seems to be that the uh the ps5 is going to be anywhere from like 460 dollars to about 490 dollars somewhere around there i'm leaning more towards the lower end of that i really don't think they're going to charge 490 because the xbox one x or the xbox one when it was released was sold for $500, and it cost, I believe it was $471 for each one to make. So that's a $28 difference, which was, um, according to like business professionals, um, just massive. It's a huge gap between that. So I really don't think that there's going to be a $50 gap making this console $500, though I don't know. With all the new tech that's involved in there, uh, I- I'm not entirely sure. But chances are it'll probably be somewhere around like the $475 range. Like, I'm going to say it's going to be around the $470 range, give or take $10. That's sort of where I'm going with this. Um, It'll probably be somewhere around there. And the Series X, of course, hasn't released, but it's assumed to be cheaper than the Series X, the, the PS5, of course. So it seems that from what I've been looking up, the PS5 won't be 100% as powerful as the Series X. It'll have some things that the Series X don't and be better in certain areas. Um, but it's definitely going to have that potential streamline more look, the traditional console look, as opposed to the you know, PC tower that the Series X is. So we'll have to see how they're going to push that because the Series X could absolutely go for $500 plus. Um Another thing that is in this, I'm not exactly comparing the PS5 to the Series X. I'm going to do that in a future episode, probably later on in a couple weeks. I'm going to like full-on compare the consoles. Um, But the PS5 is going to be implementing a smaller graphics processing unit, GPU, for cheaper production and a quicker cooling, but it's not going to be as powerful as the Series X's GPU. So... What this is basically saying is they opted for a smaller GPU as a competition thing for the Series X um, to be a bit cheaper. We're going to, of course, have to see how much cheaper that is, but it's going to offer a quicker cooling, which I know a lot of people have talked about the PS4's cooling, made jokes about it, where it's just an incredibly loud sound, the fan going, pushing through. My Xbox One makes the exact same noise, Um, but... You know, having that op- the opportunity to have like the quicker cooling so you can have more extended periods of gaming, especially with the PS5 with all these story games that are coming out and you'll be playing them for seven hours at a time. Um, this is definitely a, a big thing because even though they have the smaller GPU, one of the big things that the PS5 was talking about, especially during their live stream a couple of weeks ago, was their SSD. 
The PS5 is really, really pushing this idea of their SSD, which is 825 gigabytes, as opposed to the one terabyte Series X SSD. So the thing that they brought up is that this SSD meant bigger worlds, faster loading times, and the live stream also brought up that they may even have to slow down the speed of game loading because of how fast it'll be. That, of course, sounds more like a... a uh, you know, more like a, a business strategy, a marketing strategy to get people kind of excited about things. Um, because the uh, the video that I linked in my previous episode, I had talked about how this one, I believe it's Austin Evans, the YouTuber, he had the, he had the Xbox Series X there and he was sort of testing it out and everything. And he loaded up a couple games, and it's true. The the Series X loads games really, really fast. Like, And you can keep different games open at a time, so it's really, really nice. Um, so definitely PS5 will be able to benefit from this as well because they're going to be talking more about just sort of the, the environments of the world around them, and they're going to be a lot more realistic. They implemented this whole audio i think it was described to be ray tracing but for audio where it's going to be a lot more realistic a lot more discernible as to where sounds are coming from and different vocal cues and whatnot so it's going to be something that's really really big ray tracing of course is another big thing that they're promoting for these next gen consoles and another big thing is storage capacity and expansion modules because the storage for these consoles is, you know, gonna be gonna be scaled towards these these new bigger games and the amount of graphics that they're gonna be taking up, possibly up to two hundred something gigabytes uh, per game because of the pure power in these games. Um, so that's something that's really gonna be of concern with a lot of people, especially people who love digital downloads because they just download everything right then and there. So. With all of these new games that are coming in, like these storage drives, it's really going to have to just come down to release date, how everything's going to be dealt with. Because the Series X, they are offering these expansion modules, which are basically, they look like, honestly, the ones that I saw, they look like old memory cards for your GameCube. Uh, they're just kind of these square rectangular things that you put into the console in like a specific port. And the, I, the one that I saw was a one terabyte expansion module. And those ones are Xbox branded. They're official. They were announced and they're going to be released once the Series X is released. The PS5 has yet to release that. They haven't said that they're going to be doing something like that or similar to that. There, of course, are external hard drives that you can do basic USB drives or, you know, other things like that. Um, so... It'll definitely have to come down to release date to see how PS5 is going to handle this this whole expansion and memory storage thing because that is something that's really, really huge for a lot of people being able to store all the games that they're going to want to play. And then, of course, uh, with the Blu-ray disc player, it's going to be supporting 4K video capability. And that's really no surprise to anyone with all this new enhanced graphics. Of course, it's going to be able to run almost any type of video. So overall, PS5 is definitely looking really promising 
with certain things. And I know a lot of people have been saying on the internet, it doesn't really matter the exact power and specs of the PS5 compared to the Series X because the PS5 is going to have vastly more and subjectively better um, exclusives than Series X is going to have. So I'm not going to directly compare them exactly, but those are some of the facts that were released so far about the next-gen PlayStation 5 console being released later on this year. And with that being said, that is going to end episode 9 of On Air with Aaron. Thank you all for listening. You can tune in to any of my podcast sites or on YouTube as well. Have a great rest of your day.